Good morning. Everyone doing well? Good, good. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Uh, did you guys have a good week? Good week? Yeah. It was kind of a weird week for me. Uh, we won't go into a lot of detail, but it, it was just kind of strange. Um, but I did have a big day on the calendar. You guys know that I like to reference these sort of obscure holidays. This one isn't quite so obscure. Um, any guesses what Tuesday was? Well, it was Fat Tuesday. You're right. I did not celebrate that. I did not eat a punch key or however you say those things. Um, hopefully you did, but uh, no, Tuesday was something else. It was the first day of meteorologic spring. Yay! Come on, guys. No? I mean, this means that all that snow and freezing stuff, that nonsense is done. Right? And come on, no one could be more excited about spring than me. You guys know me. I'm a warm weather guy. I'm a shorts and a t-shirt guy. I just happen to be living in the Midwest. So I have to put up with winter every year. Now, there are some of you who maybe don't have to put up with this. Maybe you're watching today and you live in a warmer climate. Or you may be visiting here today and you're from a warmer climate. There is no winter, right? There is no winter. Hallelujah for you. <laughs> but I also know that some of you may be watching, and uh, you know what, what you guys do is you, you run away right before all this stuff happens, right? I think they're called snowbirds. And then after it's all done, you, you migrate back. And, and I don't blame you. I get it. I understand. Maybe someday, maybe someday, I will do something very similar. That would, of course, have to be approved by my CEO, my boss, my wife. But we'll see. It's possible. But I do have a message for you snowbirds. It's safe. You can come back. It's okay. It's not going to snow anymore. No more freezing temperatures. We're done. I promise. Yeah. Way out on a limb there, right? <laughs> Pretty treacherous limb, too, to say the least. So up in the Midwest, we have to endure winter for the sake of warm weather, right? But there is something that we all must endure, that we all must do battle with. And this is regardless of what climate we live in. It is something that all humanity has in common. It transcends any differences that might be among us. It transcends ethnicities, socioeconomic strata, backgrounds, races. There's something that we all deal with. Temptation. Temptation. Each of us, regardless of who we are or how strong we may think we are, we deal with temptation. We are tempted almost constantly. There's an old cartoon that depicts two characters. One says to the other, how come opportunity knocks only once, but temptation beats the door down every day? 
And there's truth to that, right? There's truth to that. And temptation can be challenging. It can even be overwhelming. Oscar Wilde once said, I can resist everything except temptation. We laugh, but can we relate? Can we relate? I can. I mean, I am tempted constantly. I'm tempted almost every day to give up on my Blackhawks. Of course, that's not the temptation that we're talking about here. What we're talking about is the temptation to sin. The temptation to fulfill a legitimate need by illegitimate means. That's really what sin is. So today, we're going to continue in our exploration of the life of Jesus. Because yes, we are called to resist temptation and that person can help us to understand how better to resist temptation. Now, as we dive into these events of his life, what we find is they're very relevant to us today and there's many lessons that we can learn from what happened to Jesus as he walked this earth. Now, we're taking the majority of our scripture references from the Gospel of Matthew. And if you recall, last week we looked very closely at the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of Jesus as described in Matthew chapter 3. The beginning of Matthew chapter 3 described John the Baptist and his baptism of what? Repentance, right? John said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then at the end of Matthew chapter 3, we saw the actual baptism of Jesus. Today, we look at an event that took place almost immediately following that, and that is the temptation of Jesus. The temptation of Jesus. And these two events are very closely related. In in fact, they're inextricably linked. And the reason is that Jesus was baptized for pretty much the same reasons that he was tempted. So if you were listening last week and you recall my points, you're going to be ahead because there will be a quiz a little bit later and we'll see how well you guys do. I've got somebody with the tests over here ready to hand them out. So, But our scripture for today, if you haven't guessed already, is found in Matthew chapter 4. Chapter 3 was the baptism. We're going to look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. If you want to open your Bibles there, that's going to be where we sort of live today. And if you recall, chapter 3 ended with Jesus coming up out of the water, the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So we saw the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all present, all participating in the baptism of Jesus. And then verse 1 of chapter 4 begins, Then... And this is actually a linking word that links the two events. Matthew says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit 
into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, have you ever read this and sort of thought it strange that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tempted? This is the same Spirit that descended on him like a dove. You would think that the Spirit would lead him away from temptation, not to temptation. And maybe you even wondered, you know, is, is this whole idea of Jesus being tempted, is this necessary? It's another situation like the baptism of Jesus. Did this have to happen? The answer is absolutely yes. This is another critical step in Jesus' mission. And as we said a moment ago, the reasons for the two events are very much similar. Now we find out who was listening last week. It's a test. What was the first reason that we said that Jesus was baptized? Okay, I'll help you. <laughs> Jesus was baptized to be identified with the sinners he came to save. He was baptized to be identified with us. And the same, friends, is true for his temptation. He was tempted to be identified with us as sinners. This was a necessary step in his ministry. So the Spirit led him into the wilderness. See, Jesus was led. Jesus was guided by the Holy Spirit. And friends, this is how we should live our lives. We learned as much in our study of the Holy Spirit in a uh, few weeks ago. We spent six weeks, right, diving into the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, Paul told us that we should, what? Walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. This is the pattern of Jesus' life, and it's the pattern that we should be following. See, Jesus willingly suffered this temptation for us. He suffered it to be identified with us, but he also did it to help us. The writer of Hebrews says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, referring specifically to the temptation that we're looking at here this morning, because of that, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus was tempted to be identified with us, but also to help us. So there's some lessons that we can learn in this passage. I just want to make a quick comment on the word that's translated tempted here. Most translations do use the word tempted, but the Greek word is the Greek word pirazzo. Pirazzo. And many commentators believe it's, it's, it's actually improper to refer to this section of Scripture as the temptation of Jesus. Because this Greek word pirazzo is most often and more accurately translated testing. Testing instead of temptation. It's the same Greek word that we see in Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, the writer there is speaking of the testing of Abraham. When God tested Abraham and asked him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And clearly... 
God never tempts anyone, right? God never tempts anyone to sin. James 1 tells us God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But, but, God will use circumstances on occasion to test our character. So Jesus is being tested. He's being tested here. And I want us to see the, 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 the utterly stark contrast to what just happened in his baptism. Jesus had been anointed with this, this cool water of baptism. And now, now he's attacked by the fire of temptation. And he endures all of this for us, to identify with us and to help us. The second reason that Jesus was tempted is again closely related to the reasons that he was baptized. And that was to be identified. To be identified as the Messiah. As the one and only Son of God. The Lamb of God. The once and for all sacrifice. If you recall last week in Matthew chapter 3, we said the Christ would fulfill all righteousness. This is the reason for which he came to earth, to save us. And only, only, friends, a sinless, spotless Lamb of God could take upon himself the sin of the world. Remember, Jesus' righteousness, that that, that perfect life that he lived, is credited to us. It's imputed to us upon believing. Only a sinless, perfect Savior could take on the sin of the world. And and, and in this situation, Jesus' sinlessness, it it stood out. It stood out as he was tempted by, by the master deceiver. And he was identified through that as the chosen one, the long awaited Messiah, our Savior. So let's learn what we can from these three temptations that Jesus endured. In verse 3, Matthew writes this, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here Satan is tempting Jesus with the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. His hunger. And I want you to note that, yes, in the, in the NIV it says the tempter came, but other translations add the word when. You know, when the tempter came. It's a very subtle but incredibly important difference because, friends, Look, in our lives, it is not a question of if. It is a question of when the tempter comes. It's a fact. I mean, is there anyone here that is not tempted like virtually every day? Is there anybody here? 
I don't see a hand up. Temptation is a reality. We will face it. And Satan loves to tempt everyone, but friends, Satan loves to tempt new believers. He loves to to tempt those who've just placed their faith in Jesus Christ, maybe just been baptized. Sound familiar, right? But the good news is, the good news is that Jesus has been there. He's been tempted, and he's sharing some great ways to battle temptation right here in this passage. And I find it very interesting that Satan says to Jesus, at least in this translation, if you are the Son of God, now let's be clear here, it isn't like Satan didn't know who Jesus was. Satan knew full well that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew that Jesus was the Son of God. What he's saying is more literally translated, since you are the Son of God. See, Satan's not questioning Jesus' deity. He's challenging him to prove it. Show me by performing a miracle. Make these stones into bread. You're hungry? Satisfy yourself. Satisfy that lust of the flesh. Satan is testing Jesus to see if he would use God's gift for selfish purposes. Are we ever tempted to be selfish? To use what God has given us for selfish purposes? satisfy ourselves, to satisfy our lust of the flesh? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what does Jesus do? How does he respond? He uses scripture. He says, it is written. Jesus is relying on the power and the truth of God's word. He could have used his deity to just, to just annihilate Satan to just blast him into oblivion. But that would not have been in step with God's plan of redemption. That would not have been part of God's perfect will. Remember, he came to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus was willing to fight this battle as one of us, as a human being. But he resisted in a way that we too can imitate and we can identify with that. We too can effectively resist temptation the same way Jesus did. By countering Satan's seductive lies, by shining the light of God's truth upon them. And Jesus in this situation quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And by doing that, he shows Satan and he shows us, right, that every word that proceeds from the mouth of God should be more precious than food itself. But as we read on, Satan eh, kind of gets a little bit more crafty here. In verse 5, Matthew writes this. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are, or in other words, since you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, 
For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So this time, this time Satan is appealing to Jesus' sense of pride, right? You're the Messiah, You're the Messiah. Do something spectacular and prove it. You know, everyone will see it and they will will hail you as the Christ. Satan says, you know, throw yourself off the roof. God will be there for you. And he he says, you know, you quoted scripture. Now I'm going to quote scripture. It is written. And then he goes on to quote scripture from Psalm 91. But here's where we have to be really, really careful because this scripture, friends, from Psalm 91, it's used out of context. It's unbalanced. It's, it's, it's distorted from its true hermeneutical context. It's heresy, quite honestly. And I need to stop for a moment and just ask this question. Is this something that we see happening in the world today? Far too often. Far too often, friend. People, teachers, preachers are willing to take the truth of God's Word and twist it to fit their desires, manipulate God's Word to make it fit what it is they want to do to justify their sin. Friends, that is never going to happen here. At least it's not as long as I'm around. We will preach the truth of God's word even when the truth makes us a little uncomfortable. Because truth is truth, friends. It doesn't change. And the truth will set you free. So how does Jesus respond? Again with scripture, he fires back with correctly quoted and applied scripture. See, Jesus knew that attempting to force or manipulate God into that kind of a demonstration, appealing to Jesus' pride, would be tempting God. And scriptures strictly forbid tempting or testing God. But is Satan done? He's not done. He's going to take another shot at Jesus. In verse 8, Matthew writes this, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So now Satan's appealing to the lust of the eyes. Look at all this. This can all be yours. All you have to do is give me what I've been longing for. And friends, Satan has been longing for worship and recognition ever since he fell from grace. We read about that in Isaiah chapter 14. This is what he's been longing for. Is... Satan trying to deceive Jesus here? 
There's, there's, no, there's no subtlety. There's really no de- deception. It's just a proposition. Your kingdom for mine. Your future for the present. And you know, Satan very well may have had in mind Psalm 2 when he said this. And this is something that Jesus very well may have been meditating on as he fasted for 40 days in the desert. Psalm 2 tells us, Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. But what the devil is saying here is you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for your inheritance. You can have it now. You don't have to go through all that pain and suffering. You don't have to go to the cross. Bow to me and you can have it all now. You can have what you want. And this is the culmination of the temptations. And it's the same lie that Satan comes to us with. He says, don't wait. Don't deprive yourself. You can have what you want. You can have it today. Hey, if God really loved you, would he deprive you of this thing that you, that you need so badly? Where is God's love when you're in the desert and you're starving and there's no food? It's what he says to us. It's what he said to Jesus. But Jesus stands firm in the face of temptation. He was obedient to the will of the Father. Remember, he came to fulfill all righteousness. Bowing to Satan would have negated all that. There would be no gospel. There would be no salvation. Jesus knows that worship and service are reserved for the Lord our God and no one else. So Jesus says, Satan, away. And it works because in verse 11 it says, Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. And I I just want to make a quick note here because Luke's account says this a little differently. Luke's account says, Satan left him until an opportune time. Satan wasn't done. No, no. Satan's never done, and he wasn't done with Jesus. He would tempt him again, maybe maybe when Jesus was at his weakest. This reinforces what we said earlier. Satan will keep on tempting us. He will keep on testing us as long as we're on this side of glory. So I, I just want to offer up really quickly three ways that we can resist temptation. Three things that we can pull out of the scripture here. Three powers, three powers that we need to tap into to resist Satan and his lies. The first is one that we should all be familiar with and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, as we read about in Matthew chapter 3, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was the source of Jesus' power. It was the source of his leading. And friends, it is that same Holy Spirit that indwells each person that says yes to Jesus. I keep going back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I just, I love this verse. I love this verse. Paul tells us, so I say what? Walk 
by the Spirit. And what happens? You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can resist. When we walk by the Spirit, when we are led by the Spirit, we have the power to resist temptation. The second power that we need to tap into is the power of Scripture. The power of the Word of God. Obviously, Jesus knew the Bible. He had studied it. He had memorized it. He, he, he pulled it out and he used it as a weapon. In Ephesians 6, Paul refers to the Word of God as the sword of the Spirit. When he talks about the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, that is the only offensive part of that armor. The writer of Hebrews says that the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Would you ever consider going into battle without a weapon? Absolutely not, friends. Don't even dream about battling Satan without the power of the sword of the Word of God. The third power that we need to rely on is the power, friends, of community. The power that we find in the family of believers. Friends, we are not meant to face temptations and struggles all alone. No, we are made for community. You know, Satan would love to see us isolated because that is when we are most vulnerable. It's like those videos that you see of the wildebeests and the lion, right? Who does the lion go after? The weak one that's separated from the herd. There's strength. There's power in the community of believers. Remember, friends, we bear one another's burdens. We come alongside each other. When times are challenging, we care for one another. It's part of our mission statement. Don't struggle alone. We weren't meant for that. We were made for community. We have the power to resist. We know that we'll be tested. We know the world is filled with temptations, but we have the power of God on our side. James 4 tells us to submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's awesome. That's awesome. But are we going to be able to do this perfectly? We're not going to win against temptation every single time, are we? No. But we, friends, have a Savior in Jesus Christ that has experienced temptation. He knows what we're up against and He can empathize with us. And, and He went to the cross to pay for our sins, to pay for those times that we stumble and fall and get up and say, Lord, forgive me. And he did that, that we might have salvation and eternal life with him. Friends, I pray that we would tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. 
tap into the power of the Word of God and tap into the power of community. May we resist the devil and see how he flees. And it's all possible because of this incredible person, Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We praise you for who you are. We are amazed at who you are. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you were willing to come here to live as one of us, that you were willing to be tempted, that you resisted that temptation, and Lord, that you're willing to help us resist temptation the same way that you did, with the same power, the same power that lives in you, lives in us. We thank you for that power. We pray for your blessing. We pray for strength. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.